My guest tonight, calling in from New York, is 2011 Gosling's Invitational Champ, Joe Horowitz. Welcome, Joe. Well, it's good to be here. So congratulations on your second win in three years at the Gosling's Invitational in Bermuda. Yeah, thank you very much. It was it was a great week. Um, a lot of rum was drank and uh, a lot of birdies were made. So those are those are good combinations. It was a very competitive field this year. I heard there were over uh, 32 professional golfers in the field. Actually, I think there were 60, believe it or not. 60? Wow. And there was over 120 um, players or somewhere about 100 players, I think, overall. But, yeah, this is the strongest field, at least they tell me, um, uh, in a long time that they've had there. Now, the event is sponsored by Gosling's Rum. And is it Malcolm Gosling? Yes, it is Malcolm. He's the best. He's a, he's so, a wonderful host. Well, that's what I've heard, and I know that he's a local guy here in New England. I believe he belongs to the Catanset Golf Club in Marion. I, I think he does, and they actually do uh, a lot of work with the Deutsche Bank tournament. Uh, yes. They, they pour a lot of their, their famous drink, the Dark and Stormy, which is Gosling's Black Seal Rum and, and Ginger Beer. I think they pour a ton of those that week at the uh, Deutsche Bank up there in Boston. This is your second win in three years at the event. How did it feel a second time? You know, this time it, it, it was more of like elation um, and happiness. And the first time was more kind of a relief because it was my first professional victory. Uh, and, you know, you always you always just want to get that one out of the way. So that this second win was, it really was uh, adrenaline-filled. You know, I, mean, I had to make an eight-foot putt on the last hole to win by a shot. Um, so, you know, when you win a tournament, you, you never expect, you know, you never really know how you're going to feel. Uh, I, I did not think I was going to feel that good when I won. I mean, it, it was a, a pure adrenaline rush, emotion, all these kind of crazy things going on, and it was it was awesome. It really felt great. Well, you entered the final round in a three-way tie for the lead. Yes, I did. I know you said that you won by a shot. How was that? You know, it was kind of a, a touch and go the whole day because we, we had some trying conditions. Um, the last day we had to finish 26 holes because of rain the day before, so we got shortened the day before. So... I came out, started kind of slow um, at the end of the third round, which is you know the morning of the final round. Made a couple bogeys early, and uh, this is the kind of golf course where you know things are going to happen. You're going to make some bogeys. The other guys are going to make some bogeys, and you know I, I didn't let it bother me. I knew that we had a long day of golf, and there was a lot of people showing a lot of emotion and frustrations. And to me, you know, when you have these trying conditions, I I like them. I'm, I kind of relish those. And, and when I see people getting frustrated and throwing clubs. It makes me happy because I know that I don't have to worry about them. You know, they've kind of shot themselves out of it. So it was the whole day was was a battle. You know, and, and Nick Kenny, who finished second, and um, I believe Daniel Augustus is from Bermuda, finished third. They were they were kind of nipping at my heels the whole day, and you know, I just I just down the stretch grinded and, and made some really clutch putts coming in. And the last one, you know, obviously on 18, the eight footer was was awesome, and that was a, it was a great feeling. All right. Well, again, congratulations on your win. The course was Belmont Hills in Bermuda. Is that your favorite course to play there? Have you played the other courses there? I have played the other courses, but I've won two golf tournaments in Belmont Hills, so obviously it's my favorite. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But, you know, you have to mention the other courses on the island. Port Royal is an absolutely beautiful golf course. I've been fortunate enough to, to play some good ones around the world, and Port Royal is absolutely up there uh, for me, for, for scenic, for you know, difficulty for conditions, it was it was amazing. I had the chance to play a couple holes while I was down there last week, and it was it was awesome. So the other course is Tucker's Point, mid-ocean, obviously. There's, it's, I think it's the highest per capita, or whatever the term is, you know, 
there's the highest number of golf courses per population in the world, uh, you know, per square mileage of a country. So, you know, they, they always say uh, Myrtle Beach and Scottsdale and all these places, but I don't think they hold a candle to uh, the beautiful island of Bermuda. I don't think so either. And the event is also run by Alex Medeiros of Tuity Bermuda. That's right. And I know that Alex, uh, his travel company there, does a lot of the vacation packages and sets up tea times and golf vacations for people. Yeah, he's Alex is a wonderful guy. He does an amazing job. Um, he's in a thankless position. You know, tournament directors, they usually get most of the heat and not a lot of recognition towards the end. Um, and he, he really does a great job of, you know, the weather down there is always difficult. He's managing 100 golfers. He's managing, you know, conditions and all kinds of different things. So he, he really did a wonderful job this year. And I'm not just saying that because I, I won. I'm saying that because it's true. And a lot of the other guys feel the same way. He does, he does a great job. There were some local golfers that played in the event, local New England golfers, P.H. Horgan III. Yeah, P.H. played. He just got his full status for the uh, Champions Tour the week before. Yes, he must have been on fire down there, or he could have been a little tired, for all I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, P.H. is a tough guy. I don't think he's tired. And if, if he was, he probably wouldn't let you know. He's a competitor. You know, I think he played football in college at University of Rhode Island, if I'm not mistaken. And he still has that, you know, football mentality and bulldog kind of look about him. So he's anytime you're in a field with him, you've you got to be weary of him. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Hennefeld was also in the field. I know that uh, he was a Champions Tour player as well. Yeah, he was Champions Tour player. And he actually won this event a couple of years ago. Uh, another great guy, very, very solid player. Uh, we paired together the last two rounds of the event. Um, you know, he didn't play his best kind of in the middle of those two rounds, but I think the last six or seven holes he was two or three under and secured a fifth-place finish, and that was, you know, that's, the, the more you're around guys, competitors like Kirk, the more you realize that in the last 12 holes of a golf tournament, you really, you have to stick in there. You have to just grind out every shot because he was easily probably in 15th place or so with seven or eight holes left and could have packed it in. You know, and, I, and I've seen people pack it in, and this guy just fought to the end, made some really good putts at the end, and I think he did sneak in a top five there, which, which was a nice paycheck. You're listening to Goldie Bounce Golf. I'm your host, Liza Churchill. My guest tonight is 2011 Gosling's Invitational Champ, Joe Horowitz. So, Joe, you also have some other exciting things going on in your life. You're a, a songwriter and a musician. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you had an event that you did last night in uh, New York, Sullivan Hall. Can you tell right. me about that? Yeah, sure. It was um, it was a charity slash fundraiser event put on by a, a great guy named Stephen Beer. He's an entertainment lawyer in Manhattan, and uh, he has these showcases to showcase some of his clients and friends. And um, I wrote a Christmas song about New York. Co coincidentally enough, it's called Christmas in New York. And uh, he asked me to come and play it, and I think there was about 600 people or so there, and it was awesome. It's, it's a beautiful venue, Sullivan Hall. It's kind of one of those old-style caboose theaters where really long front to back, and the sound was great, and there were some great artists, and it was really cool to be a part of it. Joe, I have an MP3 of your single that I'm going to play later in the show for my listening audience. Well, I hope that your New England-slash-Boston audience doesn't get upset that it's called Christmas in New York. You might get some calls on that one. <laughs> Maybe, but you also have some stuff on MySpace, and that's uh, Joe Horowitz Music on MySpace. Yeah, I think it's I think it's www.myspace.com backslash Joe Horowitz, and yeah, you can definitely check them out for free there. And if you feel so inclined and in the holiday spirit, you can then pop over to iTunes and get them for your listening pleasure. 
I had a question to ask you about your song Christmas in New York. Sure. What was behind you writing it? Is there a theme to the to the music? Or? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I grew up. I'm a native New Yorker. I spent you know most of my life here. And um, other than some of the Christmas songs that mention New York and you know have some kind of um, uh, what's the word metaphors about New York and such, there wasn't really like a Christmas song about New York. And I, I always thought that was interesting, or at least there might have been, but I, I never liked any of them. So, you know, if, if you're looking for something and you can't find it, you might as well make it yourself. And there's there's something about New York City during Christmas time where there's this infectious spirit and, uh, you know, people start doing things that they wouldn't normally do the rest of the year and, and the nice, you know, the nice aspect of life. And it, it really every year kind of surprises me. Um, I mean, You'll go into you know Manhattan and wait online, and somebody will offer you their spot online, and you're like, man, what's wrong with that guy? And then you realize that maybe it's Christmas, maybe he's feeling something, you know, that he doesn't normally feel the rest of the year. <laughs> I always thought there was kind of that kindred spirit about New Yorkers, and it, it really does seem to shine around this time of year. So you know, I wrote the song based on that, based on you know, everybody comes to New York for Christmas time, and, and one of the lines it is, you know, um, where all the people all over the world come home to us. So that's it. Really, kind of is the nuts and bolts of the song. You know, every time you you travel and and you come to New York at Christmas time, it almost feels like your your home. So that was that was the basis and a long-winded version answer of of the song. Uh, having said that, do you have a, a memory or a favorite memory of Christmas in New York? You know, it's it's a good question. Um, for me, it's obvious. Somebody could say the tree. You know, the Rockefeller Center Christmas yes. tree. That's that's kind of one of those standards that you can go to. But I also think, you know, I grew up in Long Beach, which is uh, about 25 miles from Manhattan, and it's South Shore, so obviously we have the ocean there. And I definitely remember the days as a kid, you know, going down in the wintertime, and you could see a snowy beach, you know, and, and to me that's, I don't know, it's a little artsy, I guess, but it's definitely one of the more beautiful sights when you're you're looking at the ocean, and you can see the Empire State Building in the background, and you have, uh, you know, a snowy beach. And the great thing about New York, they, they obviously embrace Christmas, so the Empire State Building will light up red and green on Christmas Day. So that, that to me, seeing that, you know, from my hometown, you can see the lights, you can see the sandy beaches full of snow and, and the ocean. That's that's to me what I think of, you know, Christmas in New York. Joe, you're making me want to get on a plane and go to New York. <laughs> I'm sure that's you're probably one of the only people in New England who said that right now. I love yeah. it there. It's really fun. It's a great town. There's no question. Up next for your listening pleasure is Joe Horowitz's hit single, Christmas in New York. Plane touches down in some other town In my mind I still hear all those city sounds Buildings here, they don't seem quite so tall Where Christmas here is in the shopping malls And even if my city doesn't sleep It makes me dream Those mean streets are no longer mean 
The chill in the air somehow makes me warm The taxi man stops blowing his horn And there's something here the people they all feel That's how I know I know it's Christmas in New York well, I know it's Christmas in New York Well I know it's Christmas in New York Where all the people all over the world come home to us No matter where I go This is where your journey starts When you come back here you'll see it all again Those lights, these streets, your dreams They're all right here They're all right here Right here for Christmas in New York Right here for Christmas Listening to Goldie Bounce Golf Live on 95.9 WATD. You're listening to Goldie Bounce Golf. I'm your host, Liza Churchill. You just heard a singer-songwriter, Joe Horowitz, hit single, Christmas in New York. You can find it on iTunes, okay. Joe Horowitz Music. You have also have a couple other albums that are out. 
the first one was released in 2007, I believe, or eight. Uh, it's Whiskey Sunrise, and um, it was written on the road. I mean, I played the Canadian tour for five years and played all around the states. And uh, I would pack up all my music gear in my truck and set up shows around a lot of the events. And you know, the album's definitely about just life on the road and and traveling and relationships and and all that fun stuff. And I would always play these shows and never have any kind of CDs to to hand out. And uh, a good friend of mine in Scottsdale, Margaret Mount, said, you need to make an album. So I said, I think you're correct. So I went into the studio in Brooklyn here in New York and made the first album, Whiskey Sunrise. And uh, it's, you know, it, to this day, you always have an attachment to the first kind of piece of recorded music uh, you have. And, you know, people say, musicians say, songs are like your children. You, know, you never really have a favorite. But everybody knows there's always one favorite, whether it's a son or a daughter who who is nicer to you than the other. So I, I definitely... Uh, <laughs> I definitely feel Whiskey Sunrise is probably one of my favorite songs. It's I don't know, not not that I'm saying it's better or worse than any other ones. It's just it was one of the first ones that I ever fully completed and heard you know heard fully recorded and definitely has a a special place. Um, and the other I, le- I I released two singles that Christmas in New York song and a, another song called Lead the Way, which was written in memory of Sergeant James J. Regan, who was a United States Army Ranger. He was killed in Iraq in 2007. And his parents started this foundation called Lead the Way Fund that supports the, the families of Army Rangers who were hurt or killed in battle. And uh, the song, you know, it, it, probably the most emotional song I've ever written. And it's also on iTunes, and, and every every penny that's made from that song goes right to the Lead the Way Fund. Uh, and you can check that out at, you know, www.leadthewayfund.org. That's the website. They're, they're the heroes, and, and they really don't make a ton of money. So Lead the Way Fund, fund steps in and just fills the gaps, the budgetary gaps that the uh, the military can't fill. Not because they don't want to fill them, but they just there are certain budgetary restraints that the government has with the military, and these benevolent organizations like Lead the Way Fund step in and, and fill those gaps. And how did you get involved with that, Joe? Uh, a good friend of mine was Jimmy Sergeant James Regan was was killed in 2007, and he played lacrosse at Duke. And a good friend of mine was Jimmy's college teammate, um, so he introduced me to the organization. So I play music at a lot of their events. Uh, I'm on their advisory board, and uh, I just I'm, I'm very involved uh, with these guys. And, and once you meet these rangers and, and around them, you do whatever you can to help these guys out. And they're they really are they're true heroes and, and awesome awesome men. Joe, you're kind of juggling a little bit of two worlds. You played an awesome event around Veterans Day, the uh, James River event. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, sure. It was called the James River Jam, and it was hosted by Tempest Jets, um, a great group of people. And uh, I shared the stage with John Oates from Hall & Oates, uh, Don Felder from the Eagles, uh, and got to play a couple songs with Joe Don Rooney from Rascal Flats, who was an absolutely awesome guy. Um, everybody was really awesome and very, very uh, you know, inviting to me, which was nice because I obviously... My, my musical career doesn't hold a candle to what a lot of these guys have done, and they made me feel so comfortable around them. It was it was a great great experience, and um, they raised money. That was another event it was on Veterans Day down in Bush Gardens in Virginia. We had about five thousand people there, and they raised a ton of money for some good charities. And um, it it was a great experience for me because, like I said, I was at one point on stage with I think over two hundred and fifty million albums that were sold. You know, with the combined artists on stage. 
So that was uh, that was pretty cool. That was that was like qualifying for a U.S. Open, you know, in music. For I sure. was just gonna say it had yeah. to be applicable to what it feels like to play in a big golf event in some ways. It's true, and, and you know the difference between you know golf and music is that in music, there's at least when you're performing, there's really no competitive nature involved. You know, you're not trying to sound better than the next guy or 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 you know sing a louder note. You're all trying to kind of gel together. Um, so there's just that you know, good connection with everybody on stage that you're all there for, for the same reason, and that's just to, to make a good sound. Uh, so it's the great, you know, the, the two differences between golf and music, um, you know, the competitive nature and, and the, the loner characteristics of it that you're, you know, golf is all about yourself and music. If you're playing in a band, if you're playing on stage, if, if it's all about yourself, you're, you're not going to sound very good. So, you know, they definitely complement each other, and um, I, I really do have... A, a tremendous amount of passion for both of them. A, a good friend of mine, Mike Orza, is the CEO of, of WebAir, and they sponsored a big event here in, in Long Beach, our hometown, the Quicksilver Pro New York. It was the biggest surfing contest ever in the world, the largest purse ever. And uh, they're they're starting to get involved in some of the sport marketing of you know different things to get involved. They sponsor a good friend, Will Scudin. He's a big wave surfer, um, and Mike just wants to get involved in in the world of sport. You know, so we came together and decided this is a good relationship to form, and uh, my, my title now is, my official title is Brand Ambassador for WebAir. So wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying to help grow his company, and it really is a great group of people uh, based in New York. They have da- data centers in Amsterdam, L.A., and Montreal, as well as New York, where I'm based. So it, it, they're a great group of guys, and honestly, they're a, a great support system. So, you know, I've, I've played professional golf now for nine years, and the one thing I can say is that if you don't have a great support system behind you, you're you're in trouble. And I think I've figured out kind of where I need to be. And with these guys behind me, I really I'm very excited for the next couple of years. That's for sure. Oh, that sounds exciting. Turn point 2002. Was there an event, something that precipitated your descent to turn pro? Yeah, I won the uh, the New York City Amateur in 2002 uh, at La Tourette Golf Course in Staten, beautiful Staten Island. Um, I say that sparingly, um, or hesitantly, I should say. Uh, no, Staten Island's nice, but it was it was a big turn. It was my first major kind of amateur victory, and uh, you know, at that point, there were a couple guys turning pro, like Johnson Wagner, who's you know now on the PGA Tour, multiple winner. Uh, Andrew Sabota, another guy who's been on the Nationwide Tour for a while, and you know, when you see friends of yours succeeding in a field that you've been a part of, uh, you know, it gives you confidence to do the same. So. There wasn't like a specific pro event that I wanted to play in after that. I just I just knew that I didn't want to work. You know, I didn't I didn't want to work in an office. Um, you know, being a professional golfer, every year I play it, I realize how much work it really is. So, you know, I, I go back and people say all the time, "Would you would you do it all over again?" I mean, you you've been struggling for a couple of years and then the last couple of years have been going well. You know, it, it's all about the journey. You know, it's all about give and take and, and experiences and learning and um, you can never. I would never change a single thing that I did in my life. I mean, there were a lot of lean years. You know, those the years from 2002 to 2008 were were struggles. They were. You know, I had a couple of good tournaments in there, but I really feel like the last couple of years I've started to hit my stride because it's it's a it's a management issue. You know, it's understanding which tournaments to play in, which tournaments not to play in, not to overexert yourself. You know, time off is just as important as time on. So it's um, it, it's it's starting to really come together, and um, you know, not not to bring WebAir back involved, but like I said, it's w- without a support system, you're kind of lost at sea. 
So yes, that's your sponsor, WebAir. And uh, for more information about WebAir, uh, I believe they can be found at webair.com. As you know, Joe, the holidays are upon us, Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's. I was wondering if you had any New Year's resolutions done for 2012 yet. Well, yes, I do, actually. There's another, the first week in January, I'm actually doing another um, concert out in Scottsdale for the Tempest Jets, the the group that put on James River Jam. They're hosting another event out there, and uh, that should be a nice one. Um, that's that's the next musical endeavor, other than a couple of performances over the holidays that I'm going to play the Christmas song here in New York. Um, but also, you know, next year I'm going to probably play about 15 events. Uh, I'll mix a couple of Canadian tour events, uh, a lot of the local stuff up here, the New York State Open, the Met Open, um, you know, a couple of Monday qualifiers and such. And, and really at this point you have to gear, you know, at 32 years old, you have to gear yourself towards Q School. Um, and every fall you have an opportunity to change your, change your golfing life, you know, and, and your life in general. So uh, I'm definitely going to focus on getting myself in the best shape and in the best tournament shape and physical shape, mental shape, all that stuff. Uh, so come come the fall, come September, October, um, I'm ready to go. You know that's that's definitely the focus. The the idea is PGA Tour bust this year. There's no question. Sounds really good to me. And how many times have you been to PGA Tour Quality School? I believe I've been there four times, and I've never made it to finals. So you may know local nationwide tour player Rob Oppenheim. He's been to PGA Tour Qualifying School, I mean, I want to say something like seven or eight, nine times. This year, this week, he just missed his PGA Tour card by two strokes. Uh, he ended up finishing up 44th overall on the money list on the Nationwide Tour. Me and Rob go way back. Yeah, he's a great guy. Very good player, too. I definitely don't know the numbers, but I know they're more <laughs> than me. So, and, more and more. He's had a great last couple of years. I mean, once Rob's one of those talents that I knew once he got on the Nationwide Tour, he wasn't he wasn't leaving. I'm pretty sure the year he got on, he's kept his status throughout. Uh, he, it's just a matter of time before he gets to the PGA Tour. There's that, that's there's no doubt in my mind that he'll he'll be out there very quickly. Yeah, he's a great great guy, great player, good athlete, good baseball player as a kid too. Joe, I want to thank you so much for calling in and have a wonderful Christmas holiday in uh, New York City, which I'm sure you will. And uh, good luck on all your endeavors. For those listeners who may be interested in Joe's music, you can find it on iTunes at Joe Horowitz Music. And don't forget, for a behind-the-scenes glimpse at the production of the Goldie Bounce Golf Show, check out my blog at GoldieBounceGolf.com. Tune in to Goldie Bounce Golf Live, heard every Sunday night at 6.30 exclusively on 95.9 WATD.